Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Uh, working into week five, I think, on this series called Predecide. And there's an article that came out in 2007. So for those of you that don't know, this would have been long before Instagram was a thing. Like some of you don't even remember a time before Instagram. You just like, you just kind of, you know, came into it, into this world and Instagram was here. It was before, it was before Netflix had originals. It was before, before Cash App was like a thing, right? Like how did we even live, anybody? You know what I mean? But uh, uh, in 2007, they said that on average, people were exposed to 5,000 marketing ads a day. 5,000 marketing ads a day. Now, the reason they do that is because the more that they market to you, the more that you see something, the more you're going to want it. Now, that was 2007. Fast forward to today, and that number of times that you get marketed to or the the number of ads that you see a day has doubled to 10,000 ads a day. From driving down the street, scrolling on your your favorite social media platforms, to where, wherever you go, even I just did some marketing here, right? There was advertisements for what we're doing. You are seeing ads all over the place. And the reason that they're there, and, and more specifically, here, here's the ones that really creep me out. Has anybody seen like the targeted ads? Do you know these reward programs that you get with your, your credit cards? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to tell you what happens. When you sign up for a rewards program, basically you are selling, they're buying with their rewards, your spending habits. All that credit card information is digital, and you are selling it to somebody in exchange for miles and points and, you know, cash back. You know, you get these programs, and and basically they are selling them to people so that they market to you based on your shopping habits. It's crazy. They can predict your behavior based on an algorithm and how you shop over time, and they know what to market to you. Now, they also say that's the only way that they do it, but I think these little things, I think they're listening to us. <laughs> because let me tell you what just happened the other night. What were we talking about? We were sitting around the table talking about something, and the next thing she knew, it, it was showing up on Facebook ads. She didn't even research it. She didn't Google search that. It just showed up as an ad as she scrolled, and she's like, this is creepy, and I'm like, yes, it is. We are being marketed to, we are being targeted by Google, by Amazon, by social media, who are all, by the way, sharing your information across all their platforms to all their buddies, and they're doing all this to make you want to buy. The the problem with it is, is that the more ads we see, the more we realize we don't have, and the more miserable we become, right? Right? feel like I am less than because I don't have the thing that I keep on seeing. It looks so cool. <laughs> and every waking moment, we're reminded by these ads of what we don't have. And it's a clear message. And this message, of course, is that to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, we have to get more. We have to have, uh, acquire more. We, we, we've got to accumulate You cannot have the greatest life without the newest technology. You can't have the greatest life without the newest toy or or, or the the game of the year or those brand new Prada shoes or that that coach purse or them Amazon leggings. You all know the one. (laughs) And you do. Yeah. All that stuff that TikTok makes us buy, you know. Right? Right? Culture screams at us. And what does it scream at us? It screams at us that it is more blessed to get. That this life should be about accumulation of things. But Jesus, some of you are like, daggone it, I knew you were going to bring that guy up. <laughs> Jesus has a countercultural message. The Bible is very different than what the rest of the world says, guys. When we open it up and we see, like, there's a better way. There's a better way than feeling like we are less than because we don't have the coolest thing or the nicest car or the most expensive clothes. Jesus, his message, he's he's being quoted here in Acts 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that word blessed, of course, being translated from the Greek, the, the, the translators choose that word blessed, but it doesn't mean like hashtag blessed like we all think, you know, on, from our social media accounts, be, you know, comfort and leisure and wealth and travel. That's, that's not what it means. It, it means happy. That, that a happiness that has nothing to do with your external circumstances, but has everything to do with an internal pace of life, has everything to do with, with something that is supernatural, not anything to do with the natural. It's talking about a happiness that comes from a secure relationship with God. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to be happy? Learn how to give. And as Christians, I think that, that Christians who have received love from a very generous God, that, that unconditional love that just blows us away, man, we want to be just like our Heavenly Father, don't we? I don't think Christians have a generosity problem. I think we love to give. I think we want to give more, but I think a, a lot of what our problem is is that as Christians, we feel like we can't give more. We feel like we can't because our hands are tied, and they're, they're, they're tied for multiple reasons, and some of them are good reasons, too. We'd love to give more, but, but we say, well, well how, do we, how do we do that? How do we become irrationally generous? How do we become somebody like our Heavenly Father who loves so much that we give? How do we, how do we become that, and how do we learn to stop holding back? Well, let me push pause on that for a second and explain what this series has been all about. The series is all about us making some pre-decisions. We are pre-deciding some things because your decisions are very, very powerful things. In fact, I would say that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your decision-making. We make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. What we've discovered and what we really know if we look back and reflect on our life is we're really bad decision-makers. A lot of us choose to wait until the moment to decide some things. And oftentimes, those things that we decide can be emotional. We're, we're deciding based on how we feel in the moment. But what do we know about our feelings? They're fickle. They'll come and go. They'll lie to you. They'll trick you into making bad decisions. And that's why we need to make some pre-decisions about how things are going to be. We need to decide in advance. Let our decisions, our choices lead and here's what will happen, your feelings will follow. And so we're making these pre-decisions, and we're, we've got this statement that we've been making every week, and it's this, it's that when faced with blank, I have pre-decided this. That, that we're saying that, Aaron, when I'm faced with this situation, I've already decided this is how I'm going to behave. Great leaders do this. Before they walk into difficult meetings, I, I have a mentor, and she tells me, she said, before I walk into a meeting, she said, I am very aware of, of that I carry my emotions on my face. And so one of the things is I decide how my face is going to look before I walk into difficult meetings. Because I, I have that same problem. I, I wear all my emotions on my face, and you can tell when I'm not happy. <laughs> it's a true story. We can pre-decide some stuff. And so for us, what we've been doing is we're, we're, we're pre-deciding so as to remove the emotion, to remove that moment where we can make a wrong decision in that moment. We're saying when we are faced with whatever it might be, it's a situation at home, situation on the job, uh, at church, wherever you are, driving down the road, somebody cuts me off, I've pre-decided I'm going to extend my prayer hands instead of, you know, just one hand with one finger. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I know where you live. I know what you do. And I know you do it with simple truth stickers on the back of your car. <laughs> I'm just trying to train you a little bit that this is the exercise. Actually, keep one hand on the wheel and just raise a hand like this. It'd be fine. And don't close your eyes like I did if you're driving. Okay, that's bad news. <laughs> But we're using this framework, and this framework is helping us. We, we are, as Christians, looking at six very specific decisions that we are pre-deciding about who we are going to be as followers of Christ. Go ahead and throw up that graphic for me. And we've made these six decisions. We're saying, I am ready. Everybody say, I am ready. I'm ready. Yeah, we're ready because we know there's an enemy that's going to attack us. We, we say, I am consistent. 
I am consistent. There it is. Yeah, be, we want to be consistent because that is the difference between us and everybody else. And somebody, somebody said, well, Aaron, I am consistent. I'm just consistently inconsistent. And we're going to make sure that we are consistent. And then we said, we are devoted. I'm devoted. There you go. Thanks for playing along. Appreciate that. It's I am devoted. Where are we devoted to? We are devoted to God. It's not just some desire that's out there. Desires won't get us very far. Desires are why your, your, uh, your, your New Year's resolutions that you make, they fail because it's just a desire. It is not a devotion. Devotion is something you are committed to. You will do no matter what come hell or high water. And then this week we're talking about I am generous. I am, generous. I am faithful. And I am, a finisher. I am a finisher. So that's where we're going to be the rest of this series. But we're predetermining that we will be more blessed by the grace of God to be generous. Why? Why predetermine this? Because we're, nobody is ever going to wind up in a place where you are irrationally generous by accident. That's a decision you have to make. And it's not a decision you make in, in a moment, in an emotional moment, it is a decision you make up front. No one ever becomes a tither, which is returning 10% of your income to honor God and to his work that he's doing by accident. Nobody ever gives offerings above and beyond their tithe to outreach and to missional work by mistake. Nobody ever has money set aside that when they encounter somebody who doesn't have the money to pay their rent, that they're able to step in and say, I'm going to pay that for you. Nobody ever does that by accident. Nobody ever accidentally has money in their pocket to pay for the groceries for the person in front of them that's struggling to pay. That doesn't happen by accident. It can happen, but it doesn't consistently happen by accident. It doesn't happen that you fund ministries in your community or go on mission trips or send missionaries to, and fund them to do the work. That kind of generosity doesn't happen by accident. You don't accidentally discover how you give 10% to God every year and you've decided, hey, we're going to go up 1% every year. And you get to discover how much fun it is to increase your generosity. You don't discover that by accident. <coughs> and experience God's blessing. And one day, you wind up with an inheritance for your children's children, as the Bible describes. None of that happens by accident. You know what it requires? Predeciding. It requires you having a plan. Because no one stumbles into irrational generosity. Thanks, babe. Appreciate you. Yep. Over it. I didn't know if we were going to toss it or we were just handing it. Whew. Anybody here want to be more generous? Oh, a few of you. All right. Oh, this is hands. Appreciate you. We want to be more generous. But our hang-up is our thinking. We think, when I have more, then I will give more. When I can afford it, then I will give more. But can I tell you that that's not how the generous think. That's not how the generous think. No, generosity isn't about what you have or don't have. It's about your heart. Because think about it. You know some impoverished people. You know that they, they have nothing but a dirt floor and a piece of scrap metal leaning up against their wall, and that's where they sleep. And they are so generous. And you also know somebody that's, that, that's just as dirt poor, that they are stingy. I, I watched a video this week of a woman and her nephew who won a lottery, something like one billion something dollars, and they took the cash lump payout because both of their names were on uh, on the the ticket. She said she put his name on there for luck, and she won. And when they showed up to collect the checks, they wrote a check to him and a check to her, six hundred thousand dollars each for the lump sum payout. Right? That's pretty nice. I could do something with that kind of money, right? And she walked out of that office making a stink and said, I'm suing him. I'm suing him for all of it because he doesn't deserve it. What? What You just got $600,000. I was confused. But we also know some rich people that are, are just as stingy. We also know rich people that are generous, man. They are using their, their wealth to change the world, Right? So we know that it's not about how much you have. It's not about how much you have. It's about your heart. That's why we have to pre-decide because we're not going to be generous by accident. We need to learn to be generous now because if you're not generous now, the truth is you will not be generous later. 
It's just not going to happen. I hear people say, hey, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give and I'm going to do this. No, you won't. Not if you're not giving now. No, you won't. You say that, but that's, that's not true. If, you will not if you're not giving now. You won't give them. In fact, let me show it to you in the Bible that this is the truth. Jesus is telling a story, telling a parable in Luke 12. He's talking about a rich man who has this big harvest. And the rich man has so much that his barns are full and he can't. He's like, what do I do? I, I've got way more than my barns can hold. Don't have room for the harvest. And if he was generous, he would have given generously. If he was generous, he would have taken of his abundance and given it away to people. But that's not what he chose to do. He, would have, he could have given to a building fund at a church. He could have given to ministries that mattered to him. He could have helped those in need. But the rich man did what he'd always done. In Luke chapter 12, verse 18, he said, Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, <laughs> you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Why did he do what he'd always done? Because more money doesn't make you more generous. It doesn't. More money makes you more of what you already are. It does. If you want to be generous when you have more, you need to learn to be generous when you have less. In other words, when I'm saying generosity or to be generous must be who we become, not what we do. It's got to be something that is ingrained deep within our identity, just like it is in our Heavenly Father's identity. And this is the deep work that I believe that God can do within each and every single one of us, is to make us be irrationally generous. In fact, he understands what it's like to be generous. Because the Bible says in John 3, 16, this is a, a very famous verse. It said, so, for God so loved the world, you might as well just say, so God so loved me and, and you, that he did what? What's that next word there? That he gave. And God didn't give what he had left over. He gave his first and his best. He gave his only son, Jesus, and sent him to pay a price for us. Ooh, it's all right. I'm still here. And so are you. If they shot something, they shot something, they missed. Fine. God so loved the world that he gave, and we want to be generous like our heavenly father. We have to pre-decide this, guys. We have to pre-decide that we're going to be generous. There is no other way. So you say, well, how do I get there? What does that look like? Well, let me give you two qualities of generous people. And these, two, these are the two qualities that we're going to pre-decide to commit to. Because all of us want to be generous. All of us want to be irrationally generous. But many feel like we can't. So here we go. If you're taking notes today, go ahead and write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. I'm fine. <laughs> Whoever's doing it needs to be a better shot. Number one, generous people plan to be generous. Generous people plan to be generous. You, and I can already hear some of the pushback. So, well, I thought being generous was like, you know, randomly blessing people, like, you know, giving the guy on the street corner a few bucks as you drove by, or by buying someone's groceries for them, or paying, paying anybody ever pay for the car behind you in the Starbucks line? Isn't that cool? Anybody ever had somebody in front of you pay for yours unexpectedly? That's cool too, yeah. I've seen people pay for the person behind them's food, and then pull up to the window, get their food and their food, and drive off. That's kind of mean. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. That's rude. Bad pastor. <laughs> Paying for the car behind you, you're like, ah, I thought that was generosity. No. That's giving. That's giving, and that's how most people give most of the time. They see a need, and they respond to it, or they hear a sad story, and they respond to it, or they, they see, you know, Sad dogs in a cage with some Sarah McLaughlin music playing behind it. In the arms of the angel, far away. And those little puppy dogs. You're like, I want to buy every single one of them. Hi, Derek. What are we doing? Well, oh. Hello. Oh, there we are. Wow. We're going to switch your bikes. 
Sarah McLaughlin was singing. We'll get back into it here. Or, or we, we attend a fundraiser, and they tell an emotional story, and so they, they get our emotions all worked up, and we give as a response to an emotional request, or we, we get motivated by what we see happening, or, 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 or you know what, we just give a spontaneous gift. And we're like, that's what generosity is. And it's like, no, that's what giving is. That's not generosity. There's a difference to it. To be clear, giving is good. It honors God. It's important. We should totally do that. And I know you want to do it, but it's not generosity. Generous people don't need to be guilted or inspired to give. Hello? See what happens when they give me a mic? I play with it. Everybody listen to the podcast. It's like, man, I can't see what's happening. It's fine. Generous people are not reactive. Generous people don't just give when they see a need. They don't just give when they have extra money. Generous people are, are, don't give only when they're prompted by the Holy Spirit. They give even when the Holy Spirit's not leading because they are generous. Generous people have a plan to give. Isaiah 32, 8 says, but generous people plan to do what is generous. And watch this. They stand firm in their generosity. Because no matter what comes, they're standing firm. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give. And it doesn't matter how this person is responding. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I am going to be generous. I'm going to be generous. I remember one time I, I gave something to a friend. It was an expensive gift. And, and my wife said, you know, she said, you're really, I don't think that person's that good of a friend to you for you to give them a gift that expensive. And I said, the gift that I wanted to give them has nothing to do with the level of friendship. It has everything to do with me and what I want to do. It's about you. It's about your generosity inside you. It's not about your circumstances around the world. Generous people stand firm in their generosity, not waiting until they have more, not making excuses. Generous is not what I do. It's who I am. So pre-decide that I am generous. Have a plan. And it's funny, most of us do have a plan, though. We, we do have a plan. Our plan is to consume, right? Our, our plan is to buy because we got things that we want. And, and let's be honest, all of us have a plan when it comes to the things that we want. We research what is the best thing to get. What is the best version of this? I, 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 want, a, so I, I want a smoker, so what's the best smoker to get? Okay, now, now I found the best smoker. Where is the best deal that I can get that smoker? Are there any coupons available? What are the ratings and the scores? Like we spend all kinds of time walking out our plan to get the thing that we want, and then we eventually execute and buy. But generous people, they don't have a plan to consume. Generous people have a plan to give. Generous people strategically and prayerfully design their life around generosity so that it's not spontaneous. It might be sometimes, but it's not always. It's not emotional. It's not random. And it's intentional because they pre-decided. They pre-decided. And so we can be asking God, and this is what the generous do, they ask, how do we maximize all that we have? How do we maximize what we're able to give? What do we cut? What is it that we are willing to sacrifice in order to be generous? To live sacrificially means that, that you know that the pleasures on earth pale in comparison to the joys and the pleasures that are to come in heaven. You are a people that are laying up treasures in heaven by being generous. But it's going to take that. You say, but Aaron, I'm not a planner. Yes, you are. You have a financial plan. Might not be a good one, but you've got one. It may not be written, but you've got a plan. And oftentimes the people that say, well, I don't have a plan. This is what their plan looks like. It looks like this. It looks like God supplies, and so people spend. And what they spend is they spend more than they make, and so they go into debt. And when they go into debt, they lack margin. It means that when other bad stuff happens, they can't handle it then because they've got no savings. They don't have any extra money. And they lack margin. And so what happens? They worry. They worry. And then when their paycheck comes in, what do they have to do with it? Because now they, oh, I owe, that's off to work, I go. This is a vicious cycle. We spend, 
We spend more than we make. We lack. We worry. And this is a cycle a lot of people get, brought, get stuck in. And they get stuck in this cycle because they've not chosen somewhere along the way to break that cycle. So I'd like to give more, but I'm worried about my money. And unfortunately, this is the way the world does things, and this is the way Christians do things. We live our life just like they do. But this right here, this is not a money problem, guys. This is a spiritual problem. This is an issue that is deep down inside of us. What it comes down to is one simple word, and that's trust. We don't trust that God is going to take care of us if we choose to give to him first. If we choose to live a life of generosity, we don't trust. But the Bible is, again, here we go, countercultural to that idea. The Bible tells us to seek first. This is the verse we talked about last week. Seek first God's righteousness. Seek first his kingdom, his way of doing things. Seek those things first, and everything else will be added to you. If you put God first, he'll take care of everything else. But we have to trust that. That's why it's a spiritual problem. We don't trust that. That's why we don't put God first. That just simply why we don't do it. But here's the thing about your relationship with God. God will not play second fiddle to anything in your life. God is first no matter what. No matter where he falls on your list, he's still first. He, 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 if you've got him listed seventh or 90th, he is still number one. Your list does not determine where he belongs. He's always supposed to be first, and he refuses to be anything but it. If you want his blessing, if you want him, his provision, he's got to be first in every area of your life. And there's a principle in Scripture called tithing that helps us do that. Deut Deuteronomy 14.23 says this, The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. So if you want to break the cycle, if you want to become generous, Learn to put God first. Get a plan. Begin with a plan to tithe. Malachi 3.10 says this about how we are to tithe and what we're to do with it. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So this verse is very clear that God's intent for you is to bring your tithe to his church, that we're his storehouse, so that we can respond, so that we can care for those around us that need the care. You want to do more outreach? You want to you see the Dream Center here? We've got to bring our tithe into the storehouse so that we can care for those that are in need. Hello? You want to make a bigger difference? We all committed to this. My goodness, the difference we could make would be huge. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What's the tithe? The tithe is that, that tithe is the Hebrew word ma'aser, and it means 10%. See, God didn't give us an amount to give. He gave us a percentage to give so everybody could give the same percentage. And we're to return that 10% back to God. Now, I can hear you because I've said the same things. Well, I can't afford to tithe. That's 10%. That's too much. Oh, I, you know what I'll have to do in order to give to, to, to do that? Do you know what I'm going to have to give up? Like, I'm going to have to rearrange my whole life in order to do that. I have to make a lot of changes. I had one guy come up to me and say, I'm going to have to cancel cable in order to do that. I'm not going to be able to have ESPN. Why would you want me to do that, Aaron? Why? Why? As if I wrote it. As if I came up with the idea. It's a God idea. Oh, and by the way, putting God first in every other area of your life is also going to require you to rearrange your life. Are we surprised? that he would put his finger on our finances, the number one thing that plays for that part of your heart, that place where he is supposed to sit alone? Of course. Tithing's a test. And he said, yep, that's what does it. He said, you need a plan. You need one that honors God. Because this is God's idea, because he understands your heart. He understands this. That's why he said this next uh, in, in verse 10. And by the way, this is the only place in the Bible that he says this. There are other places where he says, taste and see that I'm good. He says, check it out. There's an invitation. But this is the only place where he says, test me. Anybody ever have, have one of your parents look at you and say, test me? This is test me like in the good way, okay? <laughs> this is the Lord saying, test me and see and see. But he says that. He says, test me in this. Bring the tithe here. 
He knows it's a challenge for our hearts. He's like, test me. Says the Lord Almighty. That's not Aaron Almighty. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, this is the Lord speaking. This is God. He says, test me and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, test me. Go on, take a step towards being generous. Come on, try it. See it. See that it's good. See that I'm going to take care of you. You say, well, Aaron, this sounds a lot like the prosperity gospel. No, it's not. You know what this is? This is a generosity gospel. That's what it is. I'm not telling you to give so that you can get. I'm telling you that when you give and you trust God, you'll have everything else that you need. I didn't tell you that this is the way to get wealthy. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you you're going to drive a brand new caddy, although, hey. Right? Wouldn't be mad at that. But also, that's not what I'm telling you is going to happen. I'm not telling you you're going to be wealthy. What I'm telling you is that you can trust that God's going to care for everything you need. Mm. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. He said, test me. Put your trust in me. Tithe first. Give it to return that 10%. I talk about it like it's in football, football terms. It's first and 10 you do it first, and you give 10% to the Lord. You return it back to him. Because why? Because it breaks the cycle. All the excuses you've got, why you can't do it, you're never going to be able to do it until you do it. I'm telling you, I've been right there with you. Never going to be able to do it until you do it. It breaks the, the cycle. It's a pre-decision that changes the priority of your finances and the trajectory of your life. And your life can begin to look like this. <clears throat> and Go. Because the God supplies in green. <clears throat> you try it. Let's see if we can do that. Hey. All right. So God supplies. And what we do first is we give. And as a result of that, God blesses. And it builds our faith. And that generosity cycle, our, our supply, it changes from us going from spending more than we make to having a lack of margin and being worried about everything, to having all that we need and being generous at the same time. It's a shift. It's a mindset shift that happens where we go from broken, worried to generous and trusting. And that's where I want to be. Does anybody else want to be in that place? That's where I want to be. And it happens only when we put God first. And so we have, need to have a plan. We pre-decide Hey, God, we're not going to give you what's left over. We're going to give it to you first. Because, you know, that's how God gave us, by the way. When he gave Jesus, he didn't say, now, hey, before I send my son to live down there and before I allow him to be pierced with nails, is anybody going to go ahead and accept this gift? Because this is an awful lot that he and I are getting ready to go through. Jesus laying down his life, being beaten, having flesh ripped from his body, a crown of thorns plunged into the brow of his head or his, his, his eyebrows and you know what I'm talking about. Wearing crown thorns. It hurt. Nails pierced, suffocating for hours on a cross. Publicly humiliated as he was likely crucified naked, tormented, criticized, spat upon, beaten. All this to carry his own cross publicly through a city. To have everyone humiliate him. And Jesus didn't say, hey, is this really going to make a difference? Who's going who's to believe in me if I do this? He gave first. He didn't wait to see how things were going to shake out. He gave first. And my friends, that's the way we have to give. We have to give first. We give God our first and our best. And we trust him to bless the rest. So our pre-decision, we have a plan that starts with a tithe and it grows from there. And that's not going to happen accidentally. You know, I know people who, who are tithers and givers and here's what they're doing. They want to be part of our Joyride initiative next year. They want to give, give a certain amount of bikes. And so what they've done is they know bikes are about $50, $60 each. And they've decided how many bikes they want to give. And they've done the math. They said, okay, it's going to take me, we've got another seven or eight months before we need to buy the bikes. And over eight months, that's going to cost me how much money a month, and so they're saving that money because they want to be part 
of that generosity initiative called the Joyride, where we give away brand new bikes in the in the Fourth of July parade. So would it be the fourth year we've done that? Anybody know? It's the fourth year, right? 105 brand new bikes this past July. They want to be part of that next year in 2023. I know people that that have decided to monthly set aside money above their tithes and offering so that they can give it away to people that they meet that are in need. I know people that are like, man, I've been giving 10% for years, and I'm celebrating the opportunity to give one more percent next year, and they're reorganizing their life and figuring out the way to do that and discovering that joy. I know people that take a portion of their tax returns and are like, man, I'm going to find a missionary to fund, and I'm going to send them on the missionary trip next year. People are already planning to do this. I know business owners who not only tithe on their personal income, but they also tithe on their, their business profits because they're like, if God's already blessing me, I want him to bless my business too. Come on, somebody. That's some faith. I know people that assemble provision bags, and they keep them in their cars so that when they're driving around, they see somebody that's in need. They're ready. They've pre-decided. They've made a plan to be generous because none of that, by the way, happens by accident. Statistically, we accidentally give away 2% of our income every year. That's driving through McDonald's and there's, you want to round up? Yeah, sure, I guess, that's fine. It's, it's two pennies, but I'll round it up. Or we'll give here and there. Statistics say it's, it's 2% we accidentally give it away. You want to you be generous? We're going to have to add some intention to it. It has to be intentional. We predetermine that we are generous. Generous people plan to be generous. The second thing or the second quality of a generous person is that generous people give above and beyond. Proverbs 21, 26 says, all day long the lazy and selfish craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Generous people are people that give above and beyond and don't hold back. We see this theme repeated in Scripture over and over and over again. The story of the Good Samaritan. This is a parable Jesus told. And there was a, a, a Jewish man who was beaten by thieves and left on the side of the road to die. And a Samaritan came along. And he poured oil in his wounds and he cared for him and took him to this inn. And the Samaritan said to the hotel owner, he didn't just drop him off and say, good luck. He said this. He said, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, tell him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. He went above and beyond. Took care of the man on the side of the road, got him to safety, paid for the next few days' hotel, and said, I'll pay for the rest of it if it's needed. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was that guy. He was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. This guy was a tax collector. He was hated in his community because he had sided with the Roman government. And he would not only take the money that the government wanted, but he would take a little more for himself. And Zacchaeus meets Jesus, has lunch with him. And the first thing out of Zacchaeus' transformed heart and mouth is this. Luke 19, verse 8. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back, not one time, I'll just return the money to him. I'll pay back four times the amount. Hello? Four times. That wasn't a term for salvation or for membership in a church. He was generous. If I've stolen anything, I'll give it back four times. I think that's pretty generous. Jesus also confirms this idea of going above and beyond. Jesus talking to us said, if somebody asks you for your shirt, give them your coat too. At that time, because the Roman Empire was oppressing the, the Jewish people, a Roman soldier could come up to any Jewish person and, and hand them their armor and their equipment and force you to carry it a mile. They could force anybody they wanted to to carry it a mile. And Jesus said, if that happens to you, go on and carry it two miles. Do above and beyond. This is the kind of, this is a spiritual thing, guys. This is a heart that we have to have within us. And so I say to you, practically, what does that look like? Man, you go out and you tip, tip big. Be generous. It doesn't matter how good of a job they did. Let generosity be more about you and your heart and not about them. Because let me tell you something. Your generosity on a server's worst day can change their very lives. Because they know they're giving you bad service. I was a server once. I knew that, man, there's tables that I just struggled with. 
And when they were generous to me in my lowest moments, it meant the world to me. We can be generous. You're going to make somebody a meal and take it to them? Make them dessert too. I like cookies. You're going to buy somebody a gift card and send them out on a date night? Be willing to babysit their kids too. Come on, somebody. That's life-giving right there. Go above and beyond, yeah? <laughs> and don't, don't just do random giving. Or don't just wait before, until you have more before you give. Generous people make a plan and they give above and beyond. You know, my favorite story to tell about this is, is uh, in, I want to say in 2012, 20, uh, I went to Panama on my very first missions trip. And we went there. Uh, I did not sign up for the team to build the church. I don't know if you can look at me and tell that I'm not that guy, but I'm not. I'm swinging hammers and stuff. I'm way more handy today than I was then, but I did not sign up. There was two teams that went. One team went the week before to build the church. We were going to do ministry in the community at that church. Well, the week before, it was really bad storms. <laughs> and uh, they didn't get much of it done. So we got there, and we the ministry team turned into the finish the church in a hurry team. And uh, and so we I learned how to weld, which, no, that's a serious thing. You should not do that unless you are trained. Right, Rowan? <laughs> that's, not, that's not something you play with, but we did. I learned all about rebar and the dangers of it. My wa- wife learned how to do concrete with the simple instructions that, that they, the best they could give us was dot, 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 because they didn't speak English and we didn't speak Spanish. Uh, it, was, it was a challenging week for us. There was a guy there. His name was Ariel. And Ariel uh, took two weeks off. He worked construction. And he took two weeks off to be there with us because we were building the church in his community. Ariel slept on a dirt floor at a metal shack. And he was married and had a baby. She was one years old. Beautiful little girl. And Ariel was out there in the dirt with us. And, I mean, he was working hard. If we were there, he was there. He was with that team the week prior to, and he was there that week with us. And at the end of that time, we took up an offering amongst us, and we gave an offering to the pastor of that local church. But we also recognized that Ariel had given up two weeks of work. That's how generous he was. And Ariel, we said, we're going to take up an offering for him. And I don't know if it was more than the pastor. I don't think that was the point. But we all gave willingly because we all loved Ariel. And we knew what his sacrifice was like. And we knew where he slept. And we knew what his house was like and what his quality of life was like. And we knew he didn't have much. So we give this offering to him. And he's bowled over. He's so thankful for it. But then we, have a, we had a, a, a farewell service later on that evening. And do you know what Ariel did with the money that we gave him? He went out and bought gifts for all of us. It still, still moves me that somebody is in such poverty. When they were blessed, you bless somebody who's already generous. You know what they do with the, what they're blessed with? They're even more generous. I, the bandana he gave me, I, I have tied around my book bag and I keep it there. Because I want to be reminded of such irrational, over-the-top generosity. It's how I want to live my life. Ariel gave me such a gift that day. And I just, man, I'm like, could we all be those kind of people that live our lives? We don't give based on the circumstances around us. We give because of the generosity that is within us. It is not what we do. It is who we are. This is the picture of Ariel here, by the way. We, uh, we decided to buzz our heads while we were down there because it was so hot. And uh, I decided to go bald for the first time. And that's just, okay, you can put that picture away before somebody snaps a picture of it. <laughs> but what Ariel did is what generous people do. They give above and beyond. And I want to thank God for that time because he changed my heart. Changed me forever because of that one act of generosity. I grew up loving Jesus, you know. I grew up in church. I grew up loving the church. 
I, gave, I grew up giving to my church. I knew, I knew what it was to tithe and to put God first. But I will tell you this, there was a, a time in my life where my love for God went cold. And when my love for God went cold, what happened was my, my giving, my tithe actually wound up in a billing column. In the bill column. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't need that. And I pushed that away wasn't a money problem, it was, just, it was a spiritual problem. There was a disconnect between me and my father. And a lot of you, some of you, a lot, some, I don't know. There's people in this room, I'm sure you were in the same place I was in. Your love had grown cold. Because when my heart grew cold, so did my giving. And in 2010, when Jesus and I renewed our relationship, I renewed my predecision to give and to tithe. What shifted was there was from trusting in myself to be able to provide and focusing on the cares of this world to placing my trust in my heavenly father who is going to provide for me. And when I made that decision, the weight was lifted from me. The weight of all the cares and all those worries. I'm like, God, you got this. You promised me you do. And I pre-decided then and there to tithe to God. First, and, it's, and it's for us, for the DeLong household, I will tell you that it has had a profound impact on us and the way we live our lives. You want to be generous when you have more? Learn to be generous when you have less. Predecide. Predecide. Giving isn't what we do. Generous is who we are. Remembering that it's more blessed to give than receive. And you're never going to accidentally become generous, guys. Generous people plan to do what is generous. And generous people stand firm in their generosity. And they give above and beyond. Generous is who we are. Let's pray. Father, today I'm, I'm just praying for us as a church that we become known for our generosity. I know we're known for a lot of things in our community. But I know this, that being known for our generosity starts within not just my heart, but in every single heart that is represented in this room. It, it starts in every single one of our hearts. Lord, I'm just praying for the impact that we could make together. If we would all choose to make a personal commitment and pre-decide today to be generous, to break the cycle, to step into what you have for us, your best for us, of putting you first. God, I'm praying today that you'll help us to trust you, to strategically plan to make a difference in this world through our generosity, and ultimately, God, to experience the blessing of giving over receiving. I'm asking you to help us now. As we continue to pray, I just want to speak to the people in this room. Maybe you find yourself far from God. Let me just tell you something about the generosity of God. I kind of already did, but God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave. He gave his first and he gave his best. He gave his only son. He gave Jesus. He sent him to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He did that resisting temptation in every way that you and I are tempted. Jesus passed the test. He was perfect. He went through struggles, but he walked honorably before God. He was perfect, no sin. And because of his perfection, because of his sinlessness, Jesus was able to offer his life as a sacrifice for us. In other words, he was able to pay the price that you and I are supposed to pay for our own sins. Jesus paid that price. He paid that price with his life and with his blood. And because of that, each and every single one of us, we don't have to pay that price anymore. We just need to simply submit our lives to him to trust him and to put our trust in him, to choose every day that we're going to follow Jesus, that we're not going to be perfect like he was, but we're going to allow him to transform us day by day to become more like him. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, that's, Aaron, that sounds like what I want. That's the version of Christianity I want. One where I experience his grace and his mercy one that is not looking for perfection, but is looking for progress. A real relationship with a real person. And the 
this brand new relationship and restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. Yeah, I want that. If that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I want that today. I want that today. Count me in on that prayer. Would you do that? Put your hand up now. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Church, there's people making commitments. They're making decisions today. Can we pray with them so that nobody prays by themselves? Everybody out loud say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Make me generous like you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you made that commitment today, you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those who made that decision today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church/giving. We are so thankful you joined us today and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again and we'll see you at next week's episode.